Hi. New York, New York, 10036. Pro country. What you see is what you get. Hell has no fury. He drives the most expensive car because second best never enters his mind. Of all the billions of planets in space, only one is off limits to man. It all began with a curse. The evil you did this day will be avenged. A curse. From the mists of infinity, they come, rising from the cold, damp earth to take what is now theirs. You are in a room filled with your friends, but they are all dead. Night, when the earth is quiet and the good people of the world are sleeping, the night visitor comes to call. The streets have been taken over by thieves, dope addicts, rapists, muggers. We live in fear. One man is doing something about it. These are the sounds of six feet of silver death. Grindhouse Purgatory, 42nd Street, Pete. It's another time to delve into the Grindhouse Purgatory with Pete Shirilla. How's it going, Pete? Oh, just wonderful. It's been a while, I guess. Everybody's had a few, uh, shall we say, problems. Yeah, everyone's life is falling apart around them. It happens. I know. So besides that, you've had something kind of interesting happen to you, though. The new Pieces DVD from Grindhouse Releasing, or sorry, the new Pieces Blu-ray, let me say that again. Of course, Blu-ray. Yeah, the Blu-ray has a documentary on it. 42nd Street Memories. Memories, the rise and fall of America's most notorious... I don't know if it's America's or the world's most notorious block. Well, there's a certain character that we will recognize in there, along with Joe Dante and Frank Hettenlotter and a lot of you know the n- normal people we're used to seeing. There's a certain 42nd Street Pete there. Yeah, I don't know how they got that douchebag involved. He was trouble from the get-go. Now, actually, it's weird how it came about because... I was pretty much done with New York at that time and a little bit pissed off, too, because of the way everything went down. And this uh, guy called me up uh, or emailed me or whatever. His name was uh, Callum Waddell, and uh, he wanted me to come over and interview, get an interview out of me. And I said, well, what are you paying? And he goes, well, nothing. We're just trying to do this. And I said, well, that doesn't cut it. I need money. Uh, I really didn't want to go. So he persisted. Finally, I said, you know something, give me 20 bucks car fare because that's what it would take and I'll come over and I'll do this thing. So as you can tell by, you know, you've seen it, obviously, and I'm sure other people have seen it, too. I'm not as gray as I am now, you know, in that uh, DVD, which is because it was pretty much shot about five years ago, five, six years ago. So what I didn't know was that Calum had run around and um, gotten a lot of people involved in this that usually you don't see, like Terry Levine, uh, you know, Joe Dante. uh, He managed to score Frank Henenlotter. So, you know, really, I'm in there with some pretty good company. And the thing was, this thing almost wasn't released because... He had originally he shot it, and then uh, I believe he had offered it to, again, Grindhouse Releasing. They liked it, but they weren't happy with it. 
So rather than see this thing just not do anything, I said, do you mind if I send a copy to, you know, my friends at Pop Cinema that put my stuff out? They might be interested. That basically it didn't show how the whole thing ended. And I did remember, you know, talking about, you know, what, you know, eventually killed off that whole area. So now I'm thinking, oh, fuck, this thing ain't going to get released. So I email, you know, Callum and said, uh, what do you need to get out from under this? Meaning I was willing to maybe buy it if the price was right. And he goes, oh, no, I went and re-edited it. Uh, I, I tidied it up. And, you know, Bob's going to release it as, a, you know, an extra on the pieces Blu-ray, which is where it stands now. Is it? Do you think it should have been released on its own? Because I remember, I mean, Pieces, it's a movie I like, but in all honesty, it's a movie I would have never gone, oh my god, I need the Blu-ray of this. Yeah. I literally got the Pieces Blu-ray for this documentary. Um, I thought it could stand on its own, but um, like myself, Calum has a lot of heat with certain people in the industry that don't like him because he's successful. I mean, I didn't know this guy had written several books before I met him. And had done all this other stuff, you know, um, extras on DVDs and stuff. So I didn't, I didn't really realize that this, you know, this guy has been around the block same as I have. But like I said, he was take, he's getting, he's actually out of the business now. He took a certain amount of shit, and that, that was the end of it. He, he can't deal with it anymore. You know, it's, it's just, you know, you, ba it's basically the ire of people that are fucking failures or, have, or that have a two dollar website and think they know it all. And in reality, I've never made a dime in this business. Not that making money is where, where it's at, but that's what you got to do to fucking survive. So, you know, like I said, Callum has done a bunch of good stuff on Arrow, DVDs, and other, other things. And, you know, plus, I, like I said, he's written several books. So you're going to put this guy down. He obviously knows his shit. Well, that said, now that it's out, is it bringing any more attention? Not just to you, but to the participants or to... 42nd Street to the grindhouse, if you will, in general? Um, I honestly don't know. The magazine, the last issue, um, number seven, has done well. I sold a bunch at the show. I don't know how it's doing on Amazon, but I have sold a bunch at the show. There's a good buzz about it. So it's, it's like, you know, people are into it. As far as the, the interest is always there, it just takes something to spark it up and make it, you know, cool again. That You know, everything's got to be fucking cool. You know that. So it just takes something like this to spark it up and make it cool again, which I think it did. Do you think right now the grindhouse, and I keep using that term, and you know what I mean. You know, yeah. that's just a pop culture term at this point. Yeah. Do you think 42nd Street and the grindhouse has a higher profile right now or – in what was it 2004 2006 whenever the rodriguez tarantino movie came out and that that term was everywhere whereas prior to that grindhouse was a relatively obscure term in the mainstream do you think yeah. the the term itself is kind of becoming mainstream yeah it's becoming passe too i mean i don't you know on my last uh, few dvd releases we stopped using the term because everybody, they're just slapping it basically on everything they, they can think of. And some stuff is, isn't even close, you know? I mean, you know, guys are getting away on eBay by sliding 60-millimeter porn films under, under the radar into the regular film category by saying, oh, these rare grindhouse films. And, like, I see who's selling them. I know what the fuck they are. I'm not stupid. I spent last weekend with uh, the great Bill Greffe, who did um, Death Curse of Tartu, Stan Lee, Mako, Jaws of Death, and a lot of other stuff. And uh, Graydon Clark, who, you know, has done, you know, the, the Predator uh, template without warning. 
all kinds of great stuff and basically has dabbled in every genre and was one of the original Satan sadists. So these guys are truly grindhouse and it was a pleasure to spend last weekend hanging out with them and doing two panels with Graydon. When the, the Tarantino Rodriguez movie came out or the Weinstein's movie, we should say, yeah. I remember when that came out, there was this whole thing about them trying to own the term grindhouse because you obviously had all of the, the smaller DVD companies and a good chunk of grindhouse movies, let's face it, are public domain movies or are really, really cheap. So that's how you had Walmart and all these places flooded with all these grindhouse box sets and all this as a way to yeah. capitalize on the term. And I remember the Weinsteins being kind of jackasses and trying to sue anybody who used the term grindhouse to the point where people started making variations on that. For instance, I've got a DVD set called the Gore House Collection. Yeah, I got that, that too. Well, that, that, was, that was BCI. I think they caved in under pressure. As far as far as the Weinsteins and my magazine or anything else I do, hey, suck my dick, sue me and see where it gets you. I got nothing. What do you want, the back issues of the magazine? So do you think that weakened the brand with all of these – the market being flooded with all that stuff and its variations? Or And, and when I say brand, I just mean the brand of the, the type of movie, the, the genre, if you will. Not not really because people who, who know the shit know where it was at. You know, Something Weird Video was the first company to actually put the shit out to begin with, you know, when you think of it. I've always had issues with Something Weird – I've always had issues with the fact that they would put their logo in the corner of movies. That that's always bothered me. I have, I can't even count how many something weird releases have S S W V just tagged in the bottom corner. And I'm like, that's a douchey thing to do. Well, not really because from, from the other side, they were getting knocked off a lot. And, and the funny part was right before Mike passed away, I, had problems with a company, a DVD company, not not myself personally, but the company that puts out my stuff had a problem with this company called Gourmet Video, where they claim they own the rights to several things that we had put out. And we said, sure, well, you know, send us the paperwork and we'll stop putting them out. Well, they never did. But in the interim, I picked up uh, some film they put out with Ushi Daigard, and it was a something, not only the something weird logo in the corner, but their, their box art too. So being the loyal guy I am, I, I emailed, you know, Mike and Lisa and said, hey, I think you better check these guys out. This is what's going on. So that, that's, you know, that's why they did it. You know, with the, you know, as much as the torrent sites are killing everybody today, you know, the, the, the VHS pirates are killing everybody back then. So. But now that said, isn't there something about, because I always get the argument thrown at me that, hey, at least the movies are getting out there that people are seeing them. That people didn't, because I started bitching about how the Tarantino movie was was diluting what the Grindhouse was, and it wasn't a true representation, and not just that movie, but the fallout from it of all these cheap DVD companies and all that putting out all of these titles, and people would be like, who cares? The movies are getting out there, and people are enjoying them. Who cares if these movies weren't really Grindhouse films? People are loving them, and they're seeing them. Is that a fair assessment? Well, a lot of those things on those comps never played a grindhouse in the first place. They were all like direct-to-video shit films. So that was a half-and-half half thing. So they're not really grindhouse films to begin with. Some of them are on those, like, you know, you're talking those 20-film comps. Yeah, those 20-film those comps, because I noticed, like, on my Gore House collection, 
all of the movies are from the late 80s, early 90s. And I'm like, that's not a grindhouse No, film. not at all. I mean, you know, I, I've seen stuff with bad copies of Raw Force and some of this other, you know, Asian shoot 'em up stuff. But, you know, those were, they they played in the grindhouse. The other stuff that, that war bus and crap like that, they never played in the grindhouse. They were fucking straight to VHS. That they've adopted the term in the wrong way then? Because there are so many lost VHS movies out there. Do you think that even if those are called grindhouse films, as long as they're getting out there and they're maybe getting their first DVD release ever and people are seeing them, it's worth kind of diluting the name? Well, the name's already been diluted as, as soon as Tarantino made that movie. Rodriguez got it. His film actually worked. But that whole, oh, we're, we're missing a reel. Nobody's missing 20 minutes of a fucking film, okay? You know, frames here and frames there. I know that, you know, projectionists clipped whole scenes and sold them to people, you know, shit like that. So there was never, you know, as far as I know, a missing reel. There was interspersed reels, like Demons comes to mind. That was playing at the Fabian and Patterson with two reels interspersed. But it took them three days before anybody figured that one out. So, Well, that, the original VHS release of House by the Cemetery, actually had reels three and four in the wrong order. So yeah. they actually put that out on video with reels three and four in the wrong order. Was it, can you that imagine, was, that, that can you was, imagine was, seeing House by the Cemetery for the first time on VHS and yeah. it being even more confusing that way? Yeah, that was Vestron, wasn't it? I don't remember what the original VHS release I was, was, but Vestron. I remember I remember they screwed it up and it had to be corrected on the whatever company put out the second tape. But, you know, like I said, I've never actually been, been to a movie where, okay, uh, we, we and then, then to apologize for a missing reel. You think those places gave a fuck? Well, uh, again... With all of that being said, what about – is it fair the way a, a movie like Grindhouse or, or the, even these modern throwback movies, you know, the movies maybe made in the last 10 years that are supposed mm -hmm. to be Grindhouse style, is it fair the way they, they look at a Grindhouse movie? Or do you think that's more sort of that rose-colored glasses of you weren't there, but this is what we think it was like? Because I see that with the whole VHS throwback thing. These, all these VHS throwbacks are made by people who don't remember what VHSs were really like. VHSs, on average, were not these super soft video. They were not you know, full of tape hits and tracking lines and all that unless you had a really, really shitty copy. Yeah. But but that's now what when somebody says a VHS throwback, they think of the only the worst aspects of VHS. And that yeah. seems to be what people, when, that when they do a Grindhouse throwback, look at are the worst aspects of a Grindhouse movie. Well, like, like I said, your, your pivotal time period for all this stuff was, you know, started in the mid-60s and peaked out about the mid-80s. Um, the reason any of those films were successful was because it was the first time they'd ever done shit like that. These guys like Eli Roth and Tarantino and them jumping on the stuff, oh yeah, they're fans of this shit. They're trying to emulate it and they're claiming this is new and different. It's not new and different because it's been done before. And to be honest with you, it's been done to the fucking death. I mean, even when you think of the cannibal films, there might have been a couple dozen of them, but how many of them were really fucking any good? There was about six. That was it. Um, there was hundreds of spaghetti westerns made. A lot of them, you know, hit 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 the shores but you know really how many of them really stood out so you know there's a lot of films that you know still have never seen a vhs or dvd release that i remember you know where were they 
But, you know, people all, all want new, 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 new. Well, you know, fine. Everything pretty much has been done to death. You know, you're never going to get a film that, that, that will break ground like the fucking Wild Bunch did. You're never going to get a film that'll scare the fuck out of people like Night of the Living Dead did. And you'll never get a film that'll fucking completely fucking flatline an audience like Cannibal Holocaust did. They were the first ones to do it, and it's been done. So you're not going to fucking you'll go back to that because, frankly, there's nothing left to do. What what about the adult films of the era? What about an adult Grindhouse film? Because obviously the Grindhouses had a lot of you know triple X movies. Oh yeah, but and, I, then again, you're going back to the whole thing where all, most of this shit, you know, going you know stag films and sixty millimeter crap up into the sixties was way the fuck underground for the hardcore shit. Little by little, stuff would creep in, people would get busted, whatever. You know, then when it hit big, it's like, how much stuff can we do and get, you know, get away with? And they were all doing it and gotten away with it. You go up to, you know, the Mies Commission, the Avon films, the real hardcore S&M, B&D, shit like that. Boom. Then you go into video, where video made it infinitely fucking cheaper and worse because you had all kinds of other crap going on. But, you know, they call this all this gonzo stuff and all this other weird stuff and, you know, Czechoslovakian chicks that have their assholes stretched out to the fucking point you could toss a cantaloupe in without hitting the sides. I mean, who gives a fuck? There was weirder shit back in the 70s, and it was more realistic because nobody, again, nobody had ever seen it before. I mean, how many people actually bought, you know, the idea that there was a real fucking snuff film out there? Again, nobody had ever seen it before. So you could look, look at the, the, the Amato film, um, Emmanuel in America. That fucking shit looked real, but it was fake. But, it, you know, if you weren't in the know and you saw that in the fucking people with you, were like, holy fuck, I just seen somebody get killed. So, like I said, it was never done before. It was shocking then. It was fucking new and exciting then. But, you know, people trying to do it now, it, it don't fucking work anymore. It's passe. Well, but I I mean, like, when you when you look at, like, I'm not talking the golden age of, of adult where, yeah. you know, like the porno chic era, the, the devil and Miss Jones and all that. But, like... Would the Johnny Wad films, or or even when you get into the early '80s, the Steven Sadian films and stuff like that, would those really have been grindhouse movies, or were the grindhouse pornos really the the less story, more fucking ones? I mean, I was just going over this whole thing when when Holmes did that. They was doing his Johnny Wad persona, Flesh of the Lotus, uh, the climactic fight scene between him and actually the director Bob Chin. They had the um, music from the good, the bad, and the ugly, the, the ecstasy of the gold. And I put that film out and I had to lift that fucking track out because they would have sued me. So there was a lot of stuff they did in the seventies that you could not get away with today. It's that simple. And that's why, you know, people bitch about, well, the, the music isn't the same. Hey, the, these guys took music from every, every fucking movie from Jaws, the psycho to Halloween, the spaghetti Westerns to whatever. You, you just, you know, you can't take the chance, you know, in putting it out. I mean, if you own the damn thing on 16 millimeter, you know, run it at your own, you know, whatever discretion. But uh, that was like that was a big fucking thing with was the music. And that's that that's what's stopping a lot of the stuff, uh, I think, from, you know, the bigger houses from being put out because they don't want to fuck with the soundtrack yet. You know, Universal Pictures doesn't want to pay a payoff from a fucking porn company for use of the, the music from Jaws, you know. Do you think that's a double-edged sword, though? For instance, last year, Shout Factory was going to put out Jaws 5, Cruel Jaws. They were just going to call it J Cruel Jaws. Yeah. Until people pointed out to them, how did you clear all of the lifted footage and stolen music? And Shout Factory was like, huh? 
and they had to go back and when they once legal took a look at it the, the release was canceled so i mean something like cruel jaws is probably never going to get a dvd release which in america which one was is cruel jaws the uh the the shit was that the, the italian one it was Italian, but you're probably thinking of Great White in 1980, the the Castellari Franciscus yeah. one. No, right. uh, Great White was something different. Cruel Jaws was made in the 90s, and it was actually released in Italy as Jaws 5, Cruel Jaws. Yeah. And it straight up lifted music from Miami Vice, Star Wars, and a lot of the shark footage was literally lifted out of the four Jaws movies Yeah. without Universal's okay. <laughs> I gotta love it. And the balls of the Italians, man. Oh yeah, that you know that that was that was you know the whole the whole beauty of the whole thing. Italian was always copycat cinema. That's how it it all worked because you know that, that's how Zombie got made. The one of the dead was such a great fucking hit in Italy. Oh, we're gonna make our own, and that's that's what basically launched Fulci was that film. Well, yeah, because with the Italians, when you were pitching a movie to an Italian studio, it wasn't tell us what your movie's like. It's what movie is your movie like? Yeah. That's how you pitched it is, oh, see, it's like Road Warrior. It's like Alien. It's like Star Wars. It's like Superman. Yeah. So in a way, e even though the Italians were still doing this well into the 80s after the Grindhouse died, would, it, would Italian exploitation real, really still be the Grindhouse spirit in movies if even if the Grindhouse was gone? Yeah, up until a certain point, because then you know you got to remember too, you know, you know what a lot of these guys that are still alive are doing because we couldn't get them out to wasteland is they're directing TV. They're, they went, you know, there's there's no more, you know, there's no more exploitation exports anymore, so they're directing TV. What actually killed? Let's just deviate into Italian exploitation for a minute here. What actually killed that? Was it they revised the tax laws or what? Because it was right around. The, the last Italian exploitation movies that I remember that would qualify as Italian exploitation really just kind of dried up around 1988, 1989. They just kind of stopped at that point. What caused that? Because it was still clearly an audience for them. I I really don't know. I would think that because most there was no you know no demand theatrically for them anymore over here. You know. You don't you don't think they they were able to survive direct to video. Well, a lot of, you know, you know what it was, the the beauty of the whole thing with most of the grindhouses where they'd have five minutes worth of full theatrical fucking trailers for shit that was playing all around the area. So even if it wasn't coming there next week, it was somewhere else. So you get, you get, you know, you'd get a glimpse of all this shit and, you, and it would stick in your mind like, you know, Seven Doors to Death, which was the beyond. Okay. That was, that was a retitled, you know, obviously retitled film. But, you know, you'd see that then Tobe Hooper said it's the scariest motherfucking thing he ever saw. Oh, yeah, yeah, we got to go see this. So it's sticking in your mind. But, like, even, you know, with Dr. Butcher, the VHS copy, I mean, they had all the previews for all, all those things on the end of it, which would entice you to go see more. But it just works so much better in a theater because it's, it's just, like, hammered into you. So you knew there was something around. But once the theaters dried up, it was like, how many fanzines and horror mags were actually carrying news of some of this shit. A lot of them weren't. So you didn't know where it was going. With these movies, these type of movies, because you can't discount how much Italian exploitation played on uh, on 42nd Street. Do you think these movies are intrinsically linked to it? Is Italian exploitation completely linked to 42nd Street for good or bad? 
Oh, I think it's for good. Where, where, where else would, could they have played? I mean, I, they bounced around with the outer boroughs and the Jersey drive-ins and grindhouses and shit. But, you know, do you think Zombie would be playing in a fucking, you know, Sony Metroplex today? No. No, but I think I think something like maybe not today, but in the late 80s or maybe even in the early 80s, the the Asinitis films or things like that would definitely have been drive-in fare. You know, Tentacles and The Visitor and stuff. That was drive-in fare, I think. Yeah. I saw Last House on the left in a, in a movie theater in a mall, one of the first malls in Jersey. It was playing on a double bill with Night of the Living Dead and House pummeled the audience so much that they actually started laughing during Night of the Living Dead. But this was in a suburban mall, they showed it. You know, it was, it's just weird how, you know, things progress. But with the Italian stuff, I never saw it outside of a grindhouse, period. Even the spaghetti. I mean, of course, the Eastwood stuff would play in better venues. And then, you know, when Van Cleef, you know, became big over there, he would play in better venues. But the majority of this stuff, especially the horror films, just played in these, you know, inner city, you know, grindhouses and drive-ins. They never, you know, got to the, you know, the Metroplexes and things like that. Or, or the, the, the quads or whatever. We you know, when at first, four theaters in one. They're fucking small, too fucking bad, you know? Well, we're going to talk about that next week. So for right now, if people want to find Pete and get the Grindhouse Purgatory magazine, where would they do so? Oh, uh, you can email me at 40deuce at hotmail.com if you want to buy it direct or Amazon, you know, that, you know, soul-sucking, devil-worshipping, you know, corporation. You can get it from them, print on demand. So either way, you know, if you buy it from me, it's a dollar in my pocket. If you buy it from Amazon, I have no fucking clue. I might get a nickel. I don't even know. It's run through somebody else. But, you know, my whole thing is I'm not out make a buck on this it's self-replicating so far and you know people seem to dig it so as long as people dig it and i don't gotta dig in my fucking pocket every magazine to fund it you know fine it'll keep going people are people are into it and i i think i've picked up a couple of new writers over the over last weekend too this has been a 1201 beyond production Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.